Pepper for Your Steak is an adult podcast for those aged 25 years and older. Scientists and doctors tell me that that's the age that your frontal cortex is finally fully formed, whatever that means. Supposedly, that's when your brain is finished cooking. I'm not recommending anything in here, and I certainly don't accuse anybody of anything. This is all a work of fiction, fantasy, and entertainment. Enjoy. Check, check. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? I fucked around. I fucked around with it. There it is. Ready? Check. Today is Wednesday, September 4th, 2019. My name is Maverick Matthews. This is Pepper for Your Steak. This episode is titled The Most Dangerous Psychological Game. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> why don't you why don't you stick around and we'll tell you. See, we live in both a very fragile and precious experiment in democracy and we live in an empire that is experiencing profound decline so, so you're saying the reptilians are luring humans to like hawaii to vacate to vacation spots the news is there to scare white because you know to live this life you can't live the life everyone else lives decision not to buy the pop filter that I was fucking staring at going do I need a pop filter I probably don't need a pop filter I'm probably such a professional I can control my fucking what an asshole hello ladies and gentlemen (laughs) my name's Maverick Matthews this is pepper for your steak phase two episode one episode let's see okay Hello, welcome back. Good to be here. So we have the mic going. Uh, everything, all systems go for the new recording studio, except I need to get some pop filters for these mics because I am not only verbose, but uh, very breathy. So once again, I fucking, if, if I were to go back and count the number of times I apologize in this podcast, somebody pointed it out to me. It was too many. So fuck you. I'm not apologizing click everyone just turns off click (laughs) all right so cool episode today and then we're gonna go running remember this uh this podcast is attempting to push everyone into a closer harmony with nature and nowadays nothing could be more important um we'll get to the title in a minute i want to make a couple announcements a couple quick announcements number one I'm starting an outdoor school. What kind of outdoor school, you ask? The kind that teaches people to be in nature again. Um, Most people might call the first first classes I'm going to teach, which are really just camping outings that are sort of turnkey. You show up, 
everything's laid out for you and you get to practice some skills some outdoor skills while you're out in a camping environment in the beginning it'll be like how to make a fire i guarantee you most people can't make a fire and making a fire doesn't mean starting a fire using 100 pounds of 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 uh, paper and stuff uh, as an interjection here, starting a fire means you build your beautiful little wood stack and you get one single match. Uh, and it is up to you to make sure that match will actually start the fire and save the life of the group that has crash landed on the side of the volcano and is going to have to resort to cannibalism with the dead bodies. Okay? But you better start that fire with one match. That's all you get. That's what a real fire builder is. Can you do it? We do it at the outdoor school. All right, moving on. What else we got here? Back to the program. <laughs> this is the most dangerous psychological time. There it is. There it is. And we'll get to why in a minute, but the how is something we're just starting to talk about as a species. I think it was the New Yorker that just had an article the other day about your digital diet but a more accurate title would be your psychological diet what are you reading what do you click on what do you spend your time thinking about what headspace do you spend your time in there was a really great quote that used to say it still says but it's just not relevant anymore it said you are an amalgam of the people you spend the five people you spend the most time with you are a combination of those five people because you're congruent with those folks at least at some level, even if they're very different from you, aspects of them are congruent with you. So those aspects are mirrored in you. So you used to be an amalgam of five people. Now we are exposed to billions of people. I don't think that phrase is true anymore. I think it's maybe you are an amalgam of the narrative espoused on the five websites you visit the most. I think it's amazing that, that the mainstream media is just now starting to acknowledge that we have to pay attention to our psychological diet. <laughs> really? We do? Can't just eat dog shit all day? Uh, like you've been feeding us? Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, I don't care much for the mainstream media. I don't think it's healthy. And the reason I say this... Oh, okay, okay, let's, let's back up. Oh boy, I usually only get this excited when they say the title of a movie in the movie. Why is this the most dangerous psychological time, Maverick? Yeah, yeah, he said it. He said it. Steven Pinker told me that it's the safest time to be alive in all of human history. <laughs> safest time to be alive. Sound like Pablo Francisco. Um, that's ridiculous. What is safety? A collection of perceptions. Safety is a collection of needs. That's it. And we're never not going to have needs, and we are all always going to die. I mean... Maybe they can bridge reality and some kind of somehow come up with some kind of immortality, but accidents will still happen. People can still get destroyed physically. Maybe we will be able to digitize our consciousness. Maybe Elon Musk really will be able to connect us all to computers. My genetic lineage will never connect to computers. But who knows? Maybe it'll be like getting a fucking tattoo in the future, and my kid will come home with one, and I'll be like, oh, Jesus Christ, bro, you got a cranial implant? God, that's, I, I hope that 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 actually just ha even saying that makes me shudder a little bit. <laughs> makes me cry. Where's my weed? Oh, makes me very anxious even thinking about that. 
But listen, people are going to be getting hooked up to computers in my lifetime, in your lifetime, if you stick around for a minute. That's in fucking sanity. And you're telling me this is the safest time to be alive? Are you mental? Yes, it is possible that this is, it is least likely for me to be killed by a sword. Okay? But gun violence in our country isn't going down. So, so statistically, our chance of getting shot by a gun, even if it's low overall, it's not going down. It's going up. Violence in our country is not going down. It's going up. You know? We have little pockets of violence starting to bubble because the pot is starting to boil. We had, a long time ago, the WTO protests in Portland on the East Coast, and that was crazy. And then we had, uh, excuse me, on the West Coast. And then on the East Coast, we had, uh, I don't even know what they called it, the one percenter sit-in, whatever they called that fucking Occupy movement. These are people who have so much angst about the nature of things right now and no outlet that they don't know what to do about it. They're just mad. And that was then. Now we have the Standing Rock Tribe Keystone XL pipeline issue that went on. People were killed there, if I'm not mistaken. You know? And, and in Hawaii, we have the telescope protests. People protesting the development of land they perceived to be sacred on an island that was stolen from a kingdom for business interests. We are watching the pot begin to boil, ladies and gentlemen, in America. I hate to say this, but it's true. For a long time, I didn't want to believe it. Now, how long it's going to take to boil, I do not know. But if you're not thinking about getting ready, at least being ready, I think you're making a little mistake. What does that mean? You have to take responsibility for your psychological condition first. And the way to do that is to acknowledge the reality around you. If you think our country's just happy-go-lucky, ha-ha-ha, everything's great, I, I, I would probably put you in a category of someone who watches the news and also at the same time put you in a category of someone who is just hypnotized and checked out. Now, fortunately, most of the people I have conversations with, they don't fall in these categories. People who show up to the Occupy movement, uh, you know, to the WTO protests, to the Sitting Rock, to the Mauna Kea protests, you know, people who go to those things, those folks, they're not suffering from indecision. They're not suffering from being disconnected from society. They're suffering from being ultra-connected to society and feel like feeling like it's slipping away. Change is always hard. You know, I just lost my mother. I can't even talk about it. Um, and it's a pain that will never go away. It only slowly starts to get numb. And I wish I didn't have the knowledge of how this is going to go. But I do. I already have that knowledge because I lost my dad when I was a kid. Now, I'm not telling you guys this to elicit sympathy. What I'm telling you is I've been down this road before and I know how ugly it is. 
it will realign your priorities when you face something that serious. And if you've never experienced something like this personally, you will. Because that's the nature of our reality is we're all going to go. And unfortunately, some people are probably going to go before you. It's uncomfortable to think about. But not us as a society choosing to ignore things that make us uncomfortable or to, to avoid them. I am guilty of this as much as anyone else. I have some banking that I need to do that I'm putting off. I need to do it. But I just don't like that realm. It makes me feel f- gross. And so I just avoid it. But that's, that is weak. That is straight up weakness. And, and me being honest about that is the only way to combat it. Because then I can begin to reconcile and internalize it. And I can prepare for it. And feel safe about it. Even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to. I still directed its course. If I didn't direct its course at all, I can't take any responsibility for it. That makes you feel pretty bad, because you could have. I've always had a fundamental disagreement with programs. Sorry about the poppiness. With programs that uh, tell you to let go and give up your sovereignty. That is not the human condition. The human condition is to grab on, but not too tightly. It is to grab on, though. We're supposed to be holding on, but not too tight. But you have to hold on. It's so complicated. It's so annoying. It's so the opposite of what you think it should be. That's the frustrating part. The psychological terrain that you live in will be decided by outside forces unless you decide to get involved. Your life cannot change until you decide to change it. it took me years. I thought somebody was going to fucking see me and working in a restaurant and I was going to become famous or I'd, I'd be at the beach because I worked out so hard and I'd be on a run and some hot chick would just stop me and be like, I want to fuck you right now. You're so hot. You have these delusions when you're young. And you have them all the way through your life. You're waiting for that windfall. And these days for me, it's psychological. I'm waiting for that big psychological break. The positive news that's huge. Because over the last year, I've had a lot of the challenging version. Of course, I also had a son, which has been nothing but love and incredible. Wow, just adding a depth to this experience of of human reality that is unfathomable. You couldn't, no way to predict it and understand how deeply you're capable of feeling until all of a sudden you feel it. And you're like, whoa, the well goes that deep. Holy shit. I'm uncomfortable with how deep this well goes. And I'm swimming in it. I can't get out. It's very scary. A lot of people will be like, I'm not even going to deal with it. I don't even want to think about it. That is not the way to master something. The way to master something is to gracefully 
and assertively approach it and deal with it directly and begin to turn it around and manipulate it and use it and look at it and figure it out. How does it go? Where does it, where are the edges? Where does it fit? How do I make it? But if you don't take this fundamental requirement seriously to create your psychological terrain and to acknowledge that, no, this is not the safest time that has ever existed. In fact, the people who want you to believe that it is the safest time, I don't have, I do not trust those people. Why do you, why do you want me to believe it's safe? We're going to die. What are you talking about? Do you know what the current rate of cancer is in North America for people? It's in the top three for most demographics. And in the demographics where it's not in the top three, accidents is there instead. What are you talking about safe? What are you fucking talking about? The Buddhists have espoused for hundreds, if not thousands of years, an opinion diametrically opposite to this ludicrous idea of safety. And that is that life is not dangerous or safe. It is only suffering. And you get occasional breaks from it. And if you can learn to not be attached to many things then you won't have to suffer when you inevitably lose them. <laughs> but rest assured, you will lose all things. To say that this is the safest time of all time is not just wrong, it's disrespectful to the nature of our reality. You as a human being, the reason this podcast has its title is not only in reference to the fact that ideas can be a flavor for the meal of your life. You know, you can overflavor something and turn it like shit. And that's why it dovetails very well with this idea that you have to maintain your psychology. It's your job. You're spicing the meal. No one else is cooking it. You're the only one eating it. <laughs> and then you're the only one who has to wash the dishes. The meal analogy is great. Because psychologically right now, you're the only one. We have a collective unconscious, like Carl Jung said, and now we have the internet, which is like this material way for the collective unconscious to circulate. It's like, a, it's like an arm reaching from the ether to slap you in the face. <laughs> That's the collective unconsciousness, is we can all plug into the internet. But because we have to think about every idea on the planet, we're exposed to what the Buddhists call is a lifetime for a billion of people that is nothing but suffering. So we're exposed to the suffering of all the people on the planet. <clears throat> Excuse me. How is that safe? You can tell I'm getting passionate when the pitch goes up my voice. Huh? How's that? Hi, hi, yeah. How could it's just I'm sorry, but I found this re idea so repugnant because I think it cripples people. I think the way to move forward in your reality is to acknowledge its true nature. If you set out on a hike or a run where you're going to have to go across logs and watch out for poisonous snakes and plants that can sting you and jump over rivers that are currently flowing where the rocks are slippery and make sure you're hydrated enough so you don't fucking pass out from overexertion 
If you're going to go and endeavor to do that, you have to be truthful about what the endeavor is, about how hard it actually is. You can't show up in fucking Keds. I mean, let's be honest, I could run in any shoes, but I digress. The Keds just sounded good. It just sounded like the right thing to say. I don't even know what fucking Keds are, bro. I don't know what they look like. I don't even know if they're still around. <laughs> it's just the right thing to say. <clears throat> Maybe if, if you have the durability of spirit, you can show up in Keds, and that's pretty cool. But it's the analogy still works. You know, if you if you have the durability of spirit, you can push your way through this life, even if you refuse to acknowledge what it is. There are a lot of people doing that. I know a lot of father in laws who are doing that. Who are who are pushing their way through this life with their head just pushing through. Regardless of the nature of reality, regardless of how much they're being influenced. I'm not saying my, I'm not talking about mine, by the way. I'm not trying to get myself in trouble. My own family. I'm thinking of someone in particular. Outside my family, for God's sakes. Leave me alone. <laughs> when you start watching other people's families, uh, it's I one of my favorite things is when you realize somebody when you realize when you realize somebody else's family is more fucked up than yours, you go, Oh God, I feel oh, thank you. Thank you for taking the pressure off of me. <laughs> Because your family's fucked up. <laughs> and I I just got done preaching about harmony and love and all this stuff. And I'm, now I'm talking about how good it feels to realize someone else is more fucked up than you. It's a compendium, folks. In some ways, you're more fucked up than them. Maybe you're just better at hiding it. But it, it does feel good. And it's just a silly thing. And I, I just needed a break there. I got heavy. But to digress, okay? And we'll move on here. What are you eating psychologically? Are you eating your vegetables? Are you, are you eating your healthy, lean animal protein? One of the reasons I find that statement about safety so repugnant is because it is one of my core beliefs now that, and it's just, uh, all my core beliefs come from ob observing nature. And that's not a quote from myself. I heard that my brother say this, and he said that he stole it from someone, so I don't know who it comes from. But the quote is, everything can be learned by a close observation of nature. Meaning everything is related. Miyamoto Musashi, the Japanese swordsman that Joe Rogan likes to refer to constantly, said, once you understand the way br broadly, you can see it in all things. Same, same idea. But you can't be wearing rose-colored glasses. This is the epitome. This idea is the epitome of rose-colored glasses. But on the flip side of the coin, you do have to frame your reality in a useful way. You can't be Mr. Doom and Gloom negative realist constantly. I'm actually a really positive guy. I just choose to look at things in a harsh way because nature is harsh. Right? So the idea is, if you observe nature closely, you realize that we are confined to a reality where there is a finite 
number of resources. And even if you grow things in a fucking test tube, because now they're trying to create test tube meat, where do you think they're going to get all those chemicals? Where are they going to get all the fucking fuel to make that fake meat? There is no free lunch here. We are obligated to take in order to be here. In my opinion, my fundamental core belief, one of them, is... It is better to be honest about the fact that you have to take and pay dignity and to respect to the thing you're taking from, i.e. a cow or uh, a fish or whatever you choose to eat, a plant, even plants. You can't just pretend that you're not taking. It's not about whether it's alive. And yes, it is about how you treat it. You have to treat it respectfully. I am against factory farming. I think it's horrific. But you're still obligated to take. And so to, to think that we're safe, that we have all our needs met, that there's a chicken in every pot. I heard a statistic the other day when I was working on set that one in six kids goes hungry in our country. That's unfucking real And you're talking to me about how safe it is. I'm sorry to get heavy. I'm sorry to be serious. This is not doom and gloom. This is the wake-up time. This is actually the best time ever. That's why we can talk about this stuff is because we're turning over and thinking about ideas which for a moment are heavy but with, with a solution comes incredible levity, an incredible sense of relaxing once you at least address and reconcile something, even if you don't get it right. It's not you, you dealt with it. Now the news wants to keep you in a cycle where things are never dealt with. You have to tune in every day so they put you into a, even if you don't believe that they're pushing insane agendas, even if you don't believe that, okay, which they are, but let's just say they're just presenting you stuff. There's every piece of information on the planet. I know a lot of things they're not presenting. No one's talking about the fact that India's trying to land on the moon right now in America. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. Go look that up. I actually haven't heard many people talk about Elon Musk trying to hook us all up to computers and about how his most recent presentation had a video in it where they simulated implanting this into somebody's head. And what I mean is they showed like a surgery suite, but you couldn't quite see the person. And I was like, are they fucking doing this right now? Are they doing this already? I felt sick. I actually felt sick. You know, I'm not trying to be some Ted Kaczynski, you know. Stop all technology. I'll blow you up if you don't. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we need to pay real close fucking attention. And you need to be the master of your reality psychologically and physically. So if you don't feel like your body's in shape, if you don't feel like you're eating right, if you don't feel like you're healthy and vibrant, then your thoughts aren't going to be either. And if you don't take those responsibilities, when these crazy complications come our way, like the ones that are currently coming down the pipe, the pot that is beginning to boil, the craziness that is fomenting around us, when that stuff happens, you're not going to be in a good position to deal with it. So, I do want to listen to what Joey Diaz has to say about the news, and then after that, we're going to transition to uh, something a little more positive. And then we're going to go running. It's going to be a relatively short podcast today. Uh, because we're just getting the, getting things moving here, and I decided I overly complicate them 
a lot of times. So keep the ideas today simple. All we're talking about is the most dangerous psychological time. Uh, and the idea that a possible solution for this being the most dangerous psychological time is to get out into nature. And, I, and it's not just a possible solution. It is the solution. Uh, but real quick, let's listen to what Joey Diaz thinks about the news. The news is there to scare white people. I've said this for years. Really gentrified white people, they buy into the news. Yeah. And then they go on social media and they spew that shit. Right. And they make it bigger than what it really is. And at the end of the day, it doesn't affect who Duff McKagan, Lee Sayad, or Joey Diaz are at the end of the day. It really does. Joey Diaz still has to get up, tweet, fucking feed his kid, take her to school. It doesn't matter. All that, it's unnecessary noise going into your head that'll keep you up at night for no reason. It has no effect on your income. It has no effect on how you're going to make an income because you still got to get up and stand online and still put your pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. So I just lost all this political talk that has infatuated our country the last three years, whether you want to hear it or not, because it's whether you want to hear it or not. That's right. The first 10 minutes of the news are going after the president and the cabinet, and it's all something that does not affect you at all. It doesn't. It does not affect your income or anything. Zero. It's just to scare you, petrify you, shit on your head before you leave the fucking house. If you watch the morning news, you're getting shit on your fucking head before you leave the house. Whether it's a baby they found in the dumpster, or the parents that, you know, ripped the kid out of the lady in, in Chicago. I feel bad as a human being, but it has nothing to do with you. So if you go from politics to the lady who got her baby ripped out of her fucking pussy to the Chinese guy who got beat up on United, you're leaving the house. Fucking, this is what's in your mind while you're driving. It's doubting who you are as a human being. It doubts you. It makes you go, why should I leave the house? Somebody's going to stick a finger up their ass and rip my baby out. Right. You know? I mean, all these fucking things that have nothing and... That's why I don't even get involved in that shit. I told my wife, as much as I love my wife, I got to come in this house again. I see NBC, SNBC on. I throw the fucking TV out the fucking no more TV. Yeah. And she goes, why not? I go, because it affects you. My wife gets very affected by it. I see her at dinner. I see when people come over. Right. She's from fucking Tennessee, you know. She's from the mountains of Tennessee. The biggest thing she ever saw was a fucking rattlesnake, whatever the fuck they do up in Tennessee. Right. I can see how it affected her. And it affects a lot of people that way. I can walk into rooms now and definitely see who, know who watches the news. And just because I, I got sucked down it too. I, and I knew I was getting sucked. It was the weirdest sensation. Like, you know you're getting sucked down a rabbit hole. Like, I'm on all three cable news networks. I'm following people. Like, you're smarter than this. But it was a rabbit hole that maybe I got sucked down. I always choose to believe I get sucked. Things happen for a reason. And and. and when I turned it all off and I and I got to experience the world. And Did you hear what Duff McKagan said there right at the end? When I turned it all off, I got to experience the world. That's the whole point of this. How do you turn off ideas? Well, you have to practice. That's why meditation is called a practice. How do you meditate? Just focus on your breathing. That's it. That's it. Breathing and emptiness. Now, you can 
actually look much deeper into it and get crazy with it and learn how to breathe and do all this stuff. It's a whole practice. You should look into it. We're going to have an episode on it soon, but not this one. <clears throat> I'm still collating those ideas. Uh, thank you, Joey Diaz. If you want to check out the Church of What's Happening Now, I get a lot of quotes from him. They are, you know, I do it without permission. I'm just ripping these out. That's why that one has such bad sound quality. When I stumble across these, I immediately record them because I'm never going to remember. I've, I've written it down before and said, I'm going to go back and record this properly so it sounds good. I'll never fucking do it. I'll never find it again. So when I throw these in here, these little pearls that I stumbled upon my own, uh, during my own podcast listening adventures, if the sound quality is bad, that's why. It's because I, that one obviously I recorded while I was driving somewhere. But they need to be heard. He's absolutely right, you know. <laughs> and he's one of the funniest human beings on the fucking planet. I am not getting paid to promote him. I wish I was because uh, <laughs> Joey is a gem. Uh, the news is you're just letting them shit on your head. And you're walking around with shit on your head. That's the perfect way to think of it. So let's move on. <laughs> What should you do instead of the news, boy? That was like a little Neil Diamond uh, uh, getting channeled there. I'm going to read from a book now. Go in the opposite direction for just a moment and read from a book. Uh, it's a book I've read previously. I'm rereading. It's called The Desert Solitaire, A Season in the Wilderness by Edward Abbey. Edward Abbey was an interesting guy. It's kind of a, a wily old curmudgeon. He, uh, he's credited with starting eco-terrorism movement, or at least being one of the early people to really push it. Uh, meaning, and that word sounds scary, uh, eco-activism is a safer word. But it's beyond activism because, the, you know, he's the kind of guy who's, like, advocating taking boats and ramming whaling ships, like Greenpeace style, or, like, blowing up dams because the dam had ruined the ecosystem. Pretty wild guy. In, in, in some of his stories, he, talk, he has a fictional gang called the Monkey Wrench Gang, and they go around and do this stuff. I don't think that ever spilled over into reality but it's an interesting concept this was in the 60s and 70s and the reason Abby was such an advocate for the wilderness was because he forced himself to spend time there he realized like I did late in life that the or I don't know when he re made the realization but I realized late in life I feel like it's late I'm 40 so you could make the argument either way I guess that the solution for most of your ills in society comes from getting out of society and back into nature even if it means just a walk in a park. Now, you'll realize that a walk in a park is the equivalent of going to a strip mall when you really want to go to the Mall of America. <clears throat> I realize it's interesting to use city analogies for nature, but that's what I'm trying to do, is get the people out of the city into the nature, right? Sorry, I just hit the microphone with my headphones a fucking hummingbird came right up to the window I was like what's up that's a perfect example this is just synergy <clears throat> be in the wilderness go today and be in it 
And what you should do when you get there is put your headphones in and go running. It's amazing how hard it is to convince people to do what they need to do. Remember, this podcast is mostly me speaking to myself. So when I finish this, I will mix a DJ set, and then I will put my headphones on and listen to it while I get ready to go running, and then I will run to the mix because I want to ask people to do something. I want to do it myself. And if it meets my approval, which seldom does it, but what the fuck can I do? I got to start putting them out. The mix has been great, though. I'll be honest. It's one thing Edward Abbey doesn't talk a lot about is what music he was listening to, what beer he was drinking, you know? I'm interested in those details, but I'm going to read a section from this book, and uh, I want you to pay attention to the details he does focus on, the actual nature. It's not a coincidence he doesn't talk about those things. They're not part of the environment he's attempting to create in your mind. I did this uh, dirty style. <coughs> the read. Meaning I, d- I didn't do it with a nice mic. This mic's a little boomy. We're going to adjust it next week, but uh, thanks for being patient. If you want to check out any of this stuff, <coughs> there's going to be summary of the podcast and track list from the music at maverickmatthews.com. My Instagram is the underscore real underscore Maverick Matthews. I know that's an annoying title, but you can type it in just once and click follow. You'll never have to type it in again. And if you go into my bio, you'll still see the GoFundMe link there for my buddy Michael Johnstone, still collecting money for his cancer treatment and diagnosis. Um, Please donate there. This is Edward Abbey, Desert Solitaire, Season in the Wilderness. This chapter is called Serpents of Paradise. Before beginning the morning chores, I like to sit at the sill of my doorway, bare feet planted on the bare ground, a mug of hot coffee in hand, facing the sunrise. The air is gelid, not far above freezing, but the butane heater inside the trailer keeps my back warm. The rising sun warms the front, and the coffee warms the interior. Perhaps this is the loveliest hour of the day, though it's hard to choose. Much depends on the season. In midsummer, the sweetest hour begins at sundown, after the awful heat of the afternoon. But now, in April, we'll take the opposite, that hour beginning with the sunrise. The birds, returning from wherever they go in winter, seem inclined to agree. The pinion jays are whirling in garrulous, gregarious flocks from one stunted tree to the next and back again, erratic, exuberant games without any apparent practical function. A few big ravens hang around and croak harsh, clanking statements of smug satisfaction from the rim rock, lifting their greasy wings now and then to probe for lice. I can hear, but seldom see, the canyon wrens singing their distinctive song from somewhere up on the cliff, a flute-like descent, never ascent, of whole-tone scale, staking out new nesting claims, I understand, Also invisible, but invariably present at some indefiable distance, are the morning doves, whose plaintive call suggests irresistibly a kind of seeking out, the attempt by separated souls to restore a lost communion.
Hello, they seemed to cry. Who are you? And then reply from a different quarter. Hello, where are you? No doubt this line of analogy must be rejected. It's foolish and unfair to impute to the doves with serious concerns of their own an interest in questioning more appropriate to their human kin. Yet their song, if not a mating call or a warning, must be what it sounds like, a brooding meditation on space, on solitude, the game. Other birds, silent, which I have not yet learned to identify, are also lurking in the vicinity, watching me. What the ornithologists term LGBs, little gray birds, they flit about from point to point on noiseless wings, their origins obscure. As mentioned before, I share the house trailer with a number of mice. I don't know how many, but apparently only a few, perhaps a single family. They don't, they don't disturb me and are welcome to my crumbs and leavings, where they came from and how they got into the trailer, <clears throat> how they survived before my arrival, for the trailer had been locked for up to six months. These are puzzling matters I'm not prepared to resolve. My only reservation concerning the mice is that they do attract rattlesnakes. Sitting on my doorstep early one morning, facing the sun as usual, drinking coffee, when I happen to look down and see almost between my bare feet, only a couple inches to the rear of my heels, the very thing I had in mind. No mistaking the wedge-like head, that tip of horned segments, tail peeping out of the coils. He's under the doorstep in the shade, where the ground and air remain very cold. In his sluggish condition, he's not likely to strike, unless I rouse him by some careless moving of my own. There's a revolver inside the trailer, a huge British Webley forty-five, loaded, but it's out of reach. Even if I had it in my hand, I'd hesitate to blast a fellow creature at such close range, shooting between my own legs at a living target, flat on a solid rock thirty inches away. It would be like murder. And where would I set my coffee? My cherrywood walking stick leans against the trailer house, only a few feet away, but I'm afraid <clears throat> that in leaning over, I might stir up the rattler or spill some hot coffee on his scales. Other considerations come to mind. Arches National Monument is meant to be, among other things, a sanctuary for wildlife, for all forms of wildlife. It is my duty, as a park ranger, to protect and preserve and defend all living things within the park boundaries, making no exception. Even if this were not the case, I have personal convictions to uphold. Ideals, you might say. I prefer not to kill animals. I'm a humanist. I'd rather kill a man than a snake. <laughs> what a fucking line! <sighs> Let me see how much more we got. I'd rather kill a man than a snake. You know, I'm going to leave it there. And uh, don't worry. He, uh, he doesn't kill the snake. Spoiler alert. But something amazing does happen. Something worth reading. Something worth investigating. Something worth contemplating. And then you too should journey into the wilderness to feel what it feels like. To be under the stars with no lights, to be under the moon, 
to be alone, to be in the wind or in the rain. It's nothing better than an amazing storm when you know you're going to be safe. Not, there's very little that's better than that. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Thank you, Self. Uh, man, Edward Abbey, thank you for indulging that very mediocre read. I'm out of practice. But if you would like to hear other cool stories read around a campfire, come to the Outdoor School Camp Outs. It's only called outdoor school because it's. I want to consider it a practice. One of the saddest things that happened in my career was I had been an outdoor guide for about eight years, maybe seven, and the internet showed up. And what I mean by that is I would take people around North America to campgrounds in remote locations and in city locations, but we were always camping, and it was to save money, but it also is a lot of fun to camp everywhere. So we'd be camping right outside a national park. And the first thing always when we got to these campgrounds with my group, I, you know, these were adults, 18 and 35-year-olds. So I would get there and I'd say, okay, guys, we're going to go to the, you know, either a local restaurant or a local bar, find out what the hot haps is in town. You know what I mean? We'd go put our ear to the ground. People would spread out, figure out what's up, go get into adventures. And one of the saddest things that happened was All of a sudden, these campgrounds got Wi-Fi, and immediately upon arriving at camp, instead of going out on adventures and going to the local bar to find out what was happening around the area and immerse ourselves in the place, everybody just opened their computers or, or tablets or whatever and just got online. And I didn't deal very well with this. I didn't make that transition very gracefully. I'd, be, I'd get mad. I'd be like, come on, you guys, what the fuck are you doing? I was an early adopter of the iPhone. I got it the week it came out, and I loved the technology. But I only loved it because I could be out in the wilderness and do my banking, and I didn't have to go back to a city. It kept me disconnected. And then I could turn it off. I still do this. feels good to turn the Wi-Fi off. But that was a hard transition for me. And that transition will never happen to people again. From now on, campgrounds have Wi-Fi. From now on, campgrounds may have charging stations for your electric car. From now on, campgrounds may have battery ports for your robot servant. These are not campgrounds. Abby talks a lot about this in his book, about how things are barely wild anymore. In fact, in the introduction to Desert Solitaire, he says, uh, don't try to go find where I was because it's not like that anymore. It's ruined. Joe Rogan was the first person I heard say that human beings were the mold on the sandwich. We really kind of are. And there isn't much sandwich left in a certain regard. And then in some regard, there is quite a bit. You can still get out to the desert. You can still get out to the wilds of America. You can still get out to the deep forests of North America where the Yetis live. You can still get there. And the first thing being alone in the wilderness will teach you is what condition your psychology is in. Because if you start freaking out, 
thinking about a billion things. I got to get out of here. You'll turn. I, you'll leave. I've gone camping when I wasn't in the right headspace, and I've left. Because it takes real practice to be alone with yourself. At least it does until you are, and then you have that faculty. Most of us have lost this because of our immersion in society. It's hard. It is not healthy. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It is a natural permutation of the system. As much as I talk about the ills of society, I'm not against society. You know, society is, is what has brought us the medical knowledge we have. But on the flip side, it's also brought us the level of cancer that we have. So everything has 50-50, you know, yin-yang, good, bad. Thank you, Edward Abbey. Oof, go pick up that book. It's amazing. Once again, I'm not getting paid to promote it. It's just a good book. I, I don't think I'll ever put anything in the podcast I'll get paid to promote. I may tell you about stuff, but you'll know when I'm paid to promote something. All right, moving on. It's almost time to go running. But before we do, I want to mention something real quick. Two interesting things coming up. I'm not sure how, what the outcome is going to be. The first one is... I've heard through the channels on September 13th there's going to be some kind of National Civil Disobedience Day. I don't know what that means. I'm not promoting it. I am just reporting it like a good little journalist. I think this is a terrible idea that could easily degenerate into something like the purge. The nature of civil disobedience, by the way, as... Uh, at least as uh, popularized by Thoreau, means to disobey civil order uh, as part of an ex a psychological exercise. And I think the way that I've heard some of these other podcasters talking about it, they're, you know, I don't know what they're planning to do, tag some stuff, like, like spray painting is civil disobedience, but then it also causes, like, personal injury to people's businesses and shit, so, like, what, what, how's that civil? It has nothing to do with, you know, society's rules at, uh, coming from the establishment. I thought that's what civil disobedience was supposed to be about. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know this is going to happen because I want people to be aware of it because it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think it's a coincidence that, that all of a sudden this civil disobedience day popped up a week or so before what's happening on the 20th of September, and that is the Storm Area 51, another quack pot idea storm area 51 yeah great great idea we have nothing else important to worry about which is what makes me think these are psychological operations or they trended because people were just they are just so lost regardless I don't care why let's just be aware of these things it's completely possible that the day of civil disobedience was invented because the same nutcases that might go a little cr too crazy at Area 51 would also be a little disobedient. So maybe you could mop them up before that happened. I don't know. Just an idea. Our society is so interesting to watch. And of course, as another side note, robots have hit the street. Not only is Elon Musk ready to connect your brain to a computer, but I saw the very first robots I've ever seen cruising around. This is the same thing as the very first horseless carriages. Same thing as Wi-Fi showing up at the campgrounds. We can't go back. 
Soon the drones will be in the sky. And that window of nature is going to get even smaller, folks. And you're going to really wish you'd gone out to the desert. Where there wasn't some crazy drone zipping over. Because eventually it will be like a spider web entwining and entangling the entire planet. Eventually the entire planet will become some kind of strange net of culture and reality and grow space and technology and there will be pockets of nature and pockets of insane cities and it will look like space future so get ready for space future folks and how do you get ready well first you acknowledge that they may not be all good now before we go running i want to leave you with one other heavy thought Another reason to consider disengaging from the mechanism. This comes from a TED Talk. Sound quality is a little iffy. But uh, it's important to hear. And this is someone talking... I I don't know the speaker's name, I'm sorry. But this is someone talking about... How Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these guys collect your data. And how the real business of the internet is about collecting your data. And the reason the internet has developed as deeply as it has is about collecting your data. So this just another perspective. Once again, sound quality not so good. I recorded it on the fly. Here it is. Countries, they don't respect sovereignty. They don't respect privacy. So the thing is, is that, you know, they're going to collect your data. Remember, they're always caught. They always get caught doing things. They never come out and say, hey, you know what? We screwed up. This is a glitch over here. We're going to fix it for you. It's always like they're caught dead to rights. They're caught, you know, messing with, with people's data. They're caught manipulating children like Facebook did in 2017, you know, going after depressed teens to see what they'll do with negative news stories. They're caught because they're bad. And yet the shameful part of it is that the technology itself is fundamentally brilliant. These, these are brilliant things. They bring information to people. I don't hate any of the functionality of these things. And I don't think that the the vision to build them is the bad part. The problem is, if I said, you are God, would you do bad things? And that's the question. And here's the thing. They are. They're doing them. We know. They're caught. There's leaks. We know they want to change the structure in the world order. And they have the power to do it. God damn. Man, some of these quotes are there blowing my mind. You know, Edward Abbey, this guy, if you were God, would you do bad things? If I were to retitle the podcast, that would be the new title. <laughs> but it's an amazing thing to think about before you go running. Because what he was saying was is that these companies, Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram, they have there's no competitors. They have the entire platform. And so however they choose to manipulate people, and he was saying that he he would supervise rooms of hundreds of people who literally had dials and they were changing the influence of everything. Like that's, if you want to Google this TED Talk, just Google um, how Facebook influences you TED Talk. The reason I stumbled on it is because I've been watching a bunch of videos and just trying to gather as much much information I can about how we're being influenced now as a culture. And if you haven't, paid attention to this narrative or you're not up to speed they ha- they can now quantify as in tell you exactly how much opinion can be changed by things like Facebook there's metrics on it now 
not for people like me. I don't have, I don't even have Facebook, and so I can't be influenced by it. You see, but I am influenced by the people around me who develop these weird opinions about the nature of our reality. And the point he's making in this whole talk is that you can't, we cannot trust these institutions. Because historically, over and over and over, they have been—they have proven themselves to be untrustworthy. Now, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying all it takes is one individual who wants one piece of information, one guy who wants your credit card, all the way up to one Mark Zuckerberg who who knows what he wants. But he certainly is collecting all your data and selling it and making a lot of money and maybe even making a digital you behind the scenes that could live forever without your permission. What do you think about that? Crazy times. The last thing I want to do is tell you a public service announcement. I, I, wanted, I don't know if I talked about this in the last one or not. Robocalls with fake voices, AI voices, sounding like different people, even people's relatives, have started happening. So if you get a crazy call from your family and you're like, this is fucked, nothing, nothing this person's saying is congruent. I just talked to her about this. What is happening? Maybe they're sick. It doesn't necessarily mean that your aunt has gotten dementia. It may not even be your aunt. It could be a computer. Or maybe your aunt got dementia. So talk to your tribe. It's time to reconnect before the computers confuse all of us because the great confusion is coming. That might be the title of the next episode. The Great Confusion. Are you ready for the great confusion? I've been listening to too much. <laughs> oh, man. What's that guy's name? Uh, he's a comedian. Pablo. God, I just got into this guy. I fucking feel bad. I can't remember. Francisco. Pablo Francisco. I've been listening to too much of him. In fact, go listen to him if you got bummed out by some of this. Don't be bummed out. That's why we look at the heavy stuff before we go running. We don't listen to it after running. Think about the heavy things, the data mining, the life, the people trying to manipulate you and use you. All this happens. This is the nature of our world. Animals do it to each other. Dolphins do it to each other. Just be aware. Pay attention. And think. I think a lot when I'm running. And it's one of the main reasons why I, I really like to do it first thing in the morning. Kind of gets my head going. Like, it gets me ramped up real early. I like to do it, like, first thing in the morning. Because it gets your head thinking. Yeah. Like, it gets you, like, you're out there <sighs> breathing and running up the hill and you're pushing yourself, you're tired, and then a thought will come into your head. You know, just out of nowhere. You get a strange idea just pop in your yeah. head. And then you start dancing around with that idea, wondering why are you even thinking about that now? And you start thinking about shit you need to fix about, I gotta clean my fucking office. And you just yeah. run in and thinking about, oh, why did I, I gotta call that guy back. Fuck. And all these, like, it's like brain maintenance. Like your brain's like shaking from all the pounding. It's like, hey, 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 we got a loose screw over here in the yeah, aisle four. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I gotta call that guy. I'm gonna tighten that bitch down. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell on the Joe Rogan Experience. Check that out. I guess I am kind of an aggregator of ideas. This might be kind of a clip show, I get, but it's okay. It is what it is. That's uh, from the Joe Rogan Experience. I couldn't have said it better myself. This is cool. This is one of the gifts that I was talking about, the synergy of life. I, I recorded this recently. Um, 
much later, much much long. Oh God, why can't I speak? A long time after this, you know, this second phase was already in motion, and I was like, wow, okay, this one's running and talking, running, talking, and then all of a sudden you're listening to one of your favorite podcasts, and the host drops a quote like this about running, and you're like, wow, he's. I know you run, Joe, but you never wax eloquently on it until now, and that's wonderful. Thank you for doing that because I'm going to put that in my podcast. So thanks, Joe Rogan. Thank you, Joe Rogan. We should all thank Joe Rogan, changing culture and changing himself. He's a, I mean, I, it's been interesting to watch him grow as uh, you know over the course of his podcast. It's, it's been not quite as interesting as watching Lee Syak grow over the course of his podcast with Joey. All these performers that I study, all these people that I watch, I never thought I would try to become one of them. I just liked observing them. And now that I aspire to, I don't know, I, I guess be among their ranks, uh, maybe that's crazy pretentious, but got to have gauge, people. Got to have gauge. And now your goal should be to find your magical pipe. And your shoes and your belt, which holds your headphone charging case and your phone and your keys. And strap that thing to your waist. Take off your shirt. If you're a woman, put some pasties on. That's all all that's necessary. If you're a well-endowed woman, you better strap those puppies down. I hear that's painful. I can't imagine having like a giant set of balls and then not wearing... Guys wear tight underwear. So that shit doesn't flop around, and it still flops around a lot. I can't imagine what, it must, you know, it's just like having balls in your chest. We really are pretty much the fucking same. Just different. It's, what a deep thought to end it on. <laughs> okay, perfect. Right, well, at least we ended it with levity, and that was really my point. I didn't want to end it with uh, all that heavy shit, but uh, yeah. Thank you for being here. Episode one in the can, almost. It's time to go for a run, folks. Let's do it. I'm going to do it, too. We're going together right now, first time. I don't have a title for this mix. I don't know if I should title them. But I'm in kind of a certain realm right now that's real deep and intense. I'm sort of mixing things long, long gaps, long spaces, slow progressions, because they, if you're listening to them on the phone, they may not, on the phone, if you're listening to them, like on a stereo in your house, it's not going to sound the same as, or, or it's not going to be the same kind of experience as it would be on a trail. I don't know why I keep giving this disclaimer, but I feel obligated to. Thank you for being here. Episode one in the can. Uh, go to my website. Sign up for the running club if you are anywhere in the greater Los Angeles area. I have awesome trails uh, lined up for us. If you are in that same area, go to my website and sign up for the first camp out of the outdoor school, name of which I can't tell you yet, but it will be on the website soon. Click the outdoor school link. The first camp out will be free because it's a photography expedition. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for everybody to go on this very expensive and lavish camping trip Um and have an awesome time with the exchange of your image, your picture. And it's not going to be you know, anything close up. You don't have to feel weird about me taking pictures of you. There's just going to be a photographer there. And then we can use all that media and all our advertising material. People will know what they're getting themselves into. 
So if you're interested in going camping in, I think it's going to be the first weekend in November. That's what's on the books temporarily right now. It might shift a weekend forward or backwards. Uh-oh, timer went off. That's it. Here we go. It's time to go running. I love you guys so much. Let's hit the trail. What one man can do, another can do. You can't kill the bear, Charles. He's... He's ahead of us all the time. It's like he's reading our minds. He's stalking us, for God's sakes. He... You want to die out here, huh? Well, then die. I tell you what, I'm not going to die. No, sorry. I'm not going to die. Oh, I'm going to kill the bear. Say it, I'm going to kill the bear. Say it. I'm going to kill the bear. Say it. Say I'm going to kill the bear. Say it. I'm going to kill the bear. Say it again. I'm going to kill the bear. And again. I'm going to kill the bear. Good. What one man can do, another can do. What one man can do, another can do. Say it again. What one man can do, another can do. Say it again. What one man can do, another can do. Yeah. You're goddamn right. Today, I'm going to kill the motherfucker.
finished running that up still on the trail oh man 
I hope you liked it. This is super important. You need to finish the run with the music off. Okay, this is because you're about to take the transition back from the realm we were just in back to the realm of normal everyday life. Okay, this music and cadence of my voice, the talking, all that I have been told has a habit of putting people into a somnambulistic state and or a state which is highly suggestible. You might even say hypnotic. It's funny and ironic because that's what I'm trying to deprogram. But finish with the music off. So in a second, click pause and just focus on your breath. Let everything sink in. I love you guys. Maverick Matthews, Pepper for your steak.